You're not giving me easy questions, man. I thought we're going to start with some casual conversations about, you know, marketing and what what's B2B SaaS companies typically. <laughs> nope, you know, I'm jumping so. in. We're going for it. <laughs> You're going for it. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to episode 18 of B2B SaaS Marketing Snacks. I'm Mike. I'm a former associate CMO turned product lead at Kalingi. And as always, I'm with Stein Hendricks, one of Kalingi's co-founders and executive CMO here. Today, we're finishing up last week's episode on the biggest marketing mistakes that early stage companies make. This is uh, part two of that series. So if you want the full context on this conversation and the first three mistakes, go check that one out first. It's episode 17 in our library. In this one, we're going to be talking about the final two mistakes from our list of five. So the, the, the two remaining are, I guess, number, number four is getting your CRM wrong. It's this uh, idea of hacking and patching tools together without really understanding what your CRM needs to be doing for you, like the job that it should be doing for you. Um, so we talk about a couple of things that we often see you going wrong, and then a couple of best practices that you can employ right now to make sure that your CRM actually is good to scale with you in the long term. And then number five, the last one, definitely not the least, is hiring the wrong person to lead your marketing team, which is sometimes uh, a function of mismatching the strategic and tactical skill set of your first marketing leader with the stage that your company and product are in. And Stein kind of gives a bit of a framework for how you can identify what kind of marketing leader you need depending on the stage that your company's in. Um, but Stein will go into a couple of examples uh, with some scenarios. And yeah, let's jump in. Getting in trouble with your marketing technology stack or marketing and sales technology because they're so intertwined these days. Most of the listeners will know the, this picture that um, was created by um, one of the HubSpot um, leadership team members, I think, Martech, the chief Martech map, I think it's called. I don't know exactly what the name is, but there's this <laughs> picture of 8,000 different tools that make up the marketing technology landscape these days. There's 40 different CRM systems on there, 20 different chat tools, 40 different pricing platforms, 80 different A-B testing tools, right? And it goes to that earlier point that it's extremely easy these days if you're in marketing and sales to to tool up your day with you know doing free trials and, and get a bunch of technology to help you be more efficient, more productive, et cetera. And you should do some of those things. But if you do too many and you don't give it a lot of thought and it's so easy to get started, it's really easy for all those things to become a spaghetti that's hard to untangle. So being very thoughtful early on on sort of where do we build the foundation for our marketing technology, which is really your core CRM infrastructure, that then all these other tools will have to plug into. The CRM being really, when you think of your um, customer as being an individual, right? As marketers, we don't really sell and market to a company, we sell a market to individuals who work at those companies in B2B. So CRM really stands for, it's not like customer relationship management, it's really contact relationship management for a marketer. Um, and and to, to fulfill this dream that we as marketers have to do real one-to-one -one marketing, to have targeted messaging and content for an individual based on what they, you know, their preferences, 
the, the things we know about them, the analytics data we have, what other content they've visited, they've clicked on, they've inter interacted with. To do real one-to-one -one marketing, you need this one single CRM, contact relationship management system, not customer relationship management system, that's able at that individual level to track through the full journey, the marketing journey, the sales journey, the services journey, when you're you know, helping people use your product and you're still communicating with them, you send them emails, you help you educate them, etc. That all that ideally happens on one CRM system where there's one object called contact or an individual or a, or a people record, whatever you call that, that has like their email and their unique identifier, but then all this other data around what this individual does in the digital realm, you know, interacting with your platform, your content, et cetera, that it's all sort of in one system. And then of course, marketing will do different things with that data. It will all be about content and email marketing and analytics, et cetera. And, and then sales will use that same CRM system to connect those individuals to the companies they're selling to and, and turn that into opportunity tracking and deal management. And, and then customer success will use it to you know, track tickets and, and you know, how do you help people get more out of your product as they use it? All that is uh, is absolutely going to require more tools that you connect to that single CRM system. But having that 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 underlying plumbing that is really well designed, uh, Mike, is is really important. So being very thoughtful about your architecture of your marketing technology stack and how much you can maybe standardize on a single CRM, like there's a couple out there, like HubSpot is, is one that many people know. We have one CRM system that is really used to underpin both marketing, sales, and actually also customer success. It's one CRM system out of the box. Uh, also has a lot of limitations, but HubSpot is more meant for companies under, let's say, 50 million. I think in revenue, when you get bigger, you get if you, if you have hundreds of salespeople um, or really large marketing organizations, then HubSpot might not really be complete enough uh, anymore. But but especially for smaller companies that we service, those type of solutions where you have a single CRM to underpin both your marketing, sales, and service is a phenomenal blessing for a marketer who just needs to get going fast, cannot afford to you know have to support twenty or thirty different marketing and sales tech 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 stack uh, pieces, uh, right? So sorry, I'm on a rant a little bit here, Mike. But but no, I've no, seen no. this really go wrong, right? Where where yeah. marketing teams they they start using all this technology and then a year and two years in they have to redo it all because the CRM systems have become unmanageable. The dashboards are not reliable. The data is not correct, uh, and it's costing them a lot of time. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. And you think it's it's usually just because it's it's underestimated. It's kind of a hidden thing. Most people aren't thinking about their their CRM system, and it kind of creeps up on them. Yeah, and they get, of course, a little bit of um, education by some of these vendors, uh, Salesforce, Adobe. They'll tell you, oh, it all works. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> you, you buy it from the same party, right? And it's all it's all the Salesforce cloud, right? But it's not. They're different products, and, and you need to understand that. And you need to understand how you're going to make them work together. Mm -hmm. 100%. I will say, having a, um, a, a tight-knit... Um, CRM system, like we work with HubSpot, we're HubSpot partners. When you have a, a, a well-oiled HubSpot instance, it is a thing of beauty. It is so wonderful. It's very, very hard to get it to that point. And I think it's uh, it requires a lot of alignment too between 
all of the different teams and clear understanding of what people should and shouldn't be doing within the instance, what properties they should and shouldn't be messing with, um, especially when you have automations in place. Uh, someone can accidentally change something and suddenly it triggers a workflow somewhere and it causes issues with a, a report down the line. Um, but when it is uh, nicely functioning, it is very valuable. You can very quickly start to pull out um, segmented data and create some really uh, deep reporting, which is really cool. Uh, but I would agree. It's hard to get there. And I think it's usually, we even underestimate it sometimes to say like, we can connect these things. And then you start to dig into the data and you realize uh, how much you have to untangle just to get it to the point where it's clean to, to start off with. Yeah, and I think we are sort of kind of blessed that when we work at Kalungi, we work mostly with smaller marketing uh, teams or new marketing teams and smaller B2B SaaS companies where there is a blank slate, right? Where we can sort of start from scratch. Mm -hmm. and, and that is amazing, right? But the reality is that most marketers don't have that luxury. And tools, there's all these tools to, to make integrations easy, like Zapier, right? All these tools that mm -hmm. allow you to connect one system to the next. Uh, PySync is another one, I think, that HubSpot acquired at some point. Uh, and those are great, right? Because sometimes you have to use those tools because there's no other way to get two systems to work together. But they also sometimes make it almost too easy to not have the more fundamental discussion about the architecture of your data sure. and the architecture of your marketing technology infrastructure. But yeah, that would be number four on the list of what can go wrong <laughs> when you are early in sort of your marketing leadership uh, journey uh, with, a, with a new marketing organization or a new B2B SaaS company. Um, the last one I think is, um, I, I wrote five down when you asked me to think about this, Mike, is the leadership of marketing in a smaller software company will change dramatically in the first couple of years. As a company matures, you go, as a B2B SaaS startup, you go through these phases. One is to get to MVP, right? Minimum viable product, which is usually done by the founders of a company. There's no marketing leader in place. So let's skip that one for a sec. But then after you've reached MVP, that's where sometimes seed money comes in and there's an ability to invest. And so a company often is thinking, hey, sh should we hire someone to go do marketing, right? That's your first marketing leader. Sometimes it's an individual and they don't have a team yet. But at that at that part of the journey, you need a certain type of marketing leader. You need someone who's very comfortable doing fast experimentation, a lot of testing, a lot of hands-on work, you know, building some content without overthinking it from an SEO perspective, but just, you know, almost asking your audience what they need, what they're looking for, what questions they're asking, super hands-on, very comfortable doing things that are maybe not perfect, right? And, 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 and be thoughtful about some of the technology choices that are made. That's where a company starts implementing their first website, doing their first email marketing platform, right? So you want someone there who's relatively pragmatic, quick on their feet, uh, has done some of these things before, uh, but also is not going to over overthink it and, and make it too complex. But then you get to the next stage, which we, we, we call scale at, um, at Kalungi, where you scale from your 
first sort of product market fit to get to what's called T2, D3 growth. The type of marketing leader you need there is very different. Now you have to actually think about broader demand gen uh, efforts, right? Diversifying your demand gen, increase the revenue per unit, per the ARPU, per, per product. So you need to do product marketing, pricing optimization, etc. Very different from that initial phase. And so you hire a different type of marketing leader for that. You hire someone who may have more of a product marketing background or growth hacking, right? And doing automation at scale, doing larger content marketing um, programs. Maybe you now go from T to D3, you go to the next stage, which is getting to profitability, right? Focus on a CAC, customer acquisition cost. Maybe it needs to move to focus on cost to service, right? How do you optimize the segments that you're focused on? Maybe you go from building your first direct sales and marketing go to market you're going to innovate with things like channel programs you have to get your product marketing to the next level pricing optimization do rethinking the way you package and pr present your, your your product right really going deep in conversion optimization different skill sets different types of um experiences so so what we often see with smaller software companies they go through this journey this journey through these steps in a couple of years so the marketing leadership they need is going to change very quick right the first two three types of marketing leader you need probably don't need to have relationships with analysts or, or even know how to build like a gardener or a forester analyst relationship or build a pr uh, function but at some point, you'll need that person. And so, yeah, being very flexible and thoughtful about what type of marketing leadership you need at what time uh, is probably the last uh, thing that can uh, that can go wrong. Why we see some marketing leaders get hired at software companies and then uh, not be successful. Uh, and then these companies, of course, lose a year and they have to make a change. Yeah, 100%. So in the beginning, usually somebody who's a little bit more familiar, like, gritty they're kind of a, a bigger they have a bigger spread in terms of their their skill sets they can go in and get the work done if they if they need to they can maybe take on some of the things and then as you as you start to get larger and your marketing function gets more mature you start to focus on someone who's maybe more familiar with the big m marketing some of the strategic plays the the analyst relationships the pricing strategy the kind of positioning within a market is that is that fair? So it kind of goes from more tactical in the early days to more strategic uh, as you scale up. Well, that's the trick. It's not just like you need more um, and more experience. You early on, you actually need someone who understands things like positioning, right? And you make some big go-to-market decisions. And what's your ideal customer profile? What personas are you go after? Which are going to be fundamental for things like you know SEO and content marketing success, or a successful account-based marketing strategy. So you need that relatively early. When you build your first marketing function, you're ready to invest, you got your first seed round or series A, you need some of that, what we like to call big M marketing experience. After you've gotten off the ground, you have some of those things in place. You have your positioning done. You have good content marketing that's going. You have some account-based marketing that's sort of effectively you know, allowing you to learn and to optimize. Now you almost need more what we call small M marketing, you know, constant funnel optimization, uh, more content, not necessarily more relevant, but just more volume. It's fine to do that now because you've gotten off the ground. You need to diversify your demand and experiment with maybe Captera and G2 Crowd in addition to uh, you know, Google AdWords, right? So there, 
small end marketing is okay. And those actually people are maybe even cheaper for you to find, right? It's not necessarily the same profile. So your the level of experience in it might go down a little bit in that second stage of growth. And then later it will go up again. But now you need a different type of big M marketing experience. You need someone who's done product marketing before. Uh, maybe, you know, go global, build a, a channel program, right? Things that are a little, very different from the er, earlier big M marketing, like positioning and branding, etc. So it really changes significantly in those different stages of growth. Cool. I think that's it. I had one more, but I maybe is not as relevant. Maybe you disagree with me on this one. Um, it's the idea that if you just build a sales team and you just focus on, you know, hammering the phones, hammering emails, just getting the word out, as long as you like, it's a volume play. If you talk to more people, eventually you're going to find somebody who wants to buy your product. And I feel like if, if it's just a spray and pray mentality, and the idea is let's just build a giant sales team with BDRs and SDRs and keep this tiny marketing team to support them. Um, I don't know if that's the right, if it's the most effective way of getting sales. And I also think it probably depends on your product. If you're, it might be very different if you're in a, 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 a market where the product is understood and you're competing with a bunch of large players than if you're creating something um, like a new category. Yeah, no, I think it's a great point, Mike. I think what, what happens a lot is that you see, we see many B2B SaaS startups and they tell us how they got to their first couple of million, their first 10 million in ARR. And what I find is that they're either really good at inbound or really good at outbound, one of the two. And, and, and when you do either one very focused, I think it can lead to success. And so your example, would it go all in on a great building a great BDR team doing great prospecting, building their own lists, right? Not recycling data, but really being very thoughtful about what's our ideal customer profile, where do I find them, having a phenomenal messaging and outreach um, sort of playbook and, 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 and sticking with it for months so they learn and they improve. And you can build a phenomenal outbound sales engine that gets you going. And I think it can get you to five or 10 million ARR for most B2B SaaS companies. The problem is that it's not very scalable, right? The, the amount of growth that you will get out of that over time is directly correlated to how much money or effort you put into it, right? It's kind of a, it's a bandwidth constraint uh, model. And I think if you add inbound to that at some point, you, you, you add the part that can scale without you having to add people or add you know, more dollars. And I think, I think that's really the key there. Uh, although I'm, I'm always very uh, excited when I meet a CEO or, or a, a startup or a software company leadership team who have found success in doing an outbound first approach because it means they've done the, the hard work to understand their ICP and, and build content and outreach mechanisms that are relevant for them. But of course, inbound needs to be added to that for it to scale. If you're looking for more recommendations and tips for hiring your first marketing team members, I would strongly recommend episodes 12 and 13 um, in our library. We talk a lot about what roles you need on your team and the characteristics that you should be looking for in your first marketing leader. And if you're a CEO or non-marketing executive uh, doing marketing on the side of your desk, uh, I also have an article on our website that kind of talks through 
um, again, the different roles and how you can start to shift some of the marketing responsibilities off of your plate and onto the plates of agencies or new marketing team members. So if you're interested in checking that out, uh, head to our website, clingy.com and search for the five skill groups every B2B SaaS marketing team needs to fill on our blog and you will find that there as well. One ask from you, if, you, if you're enjoying this content, the podcast, and you want more, it would mean the absolute world to us if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Um, good reviews help other people find us and also tell us what to do more of and what to do less of. So I uh, would really appreciate you sharing that feedback with us. And that's it for today. So thank you again for spending your time with us. We will see you soon.